Why don't more financial advisors transition to the RIA model? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 77. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I hope you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you are not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the free resources I make available to, to, to help you better understand the RIA model. I have this entire series in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of resources to help you better understand the RIA model. Again, transition to RIA.com. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about, well, why aren't more financial advisors transitioning to the RIA model? Uh, and I would start by pointing out that, that, that this question is not to imply that there's a lack of advisors doing that. The question is, why aren't there even more than are already doing it? And so the RIA model for years now has been the fastest growing channel in the industry. And there's no signs, no indications that that trend is going to slow down anytime soon. So there already is this large wave of advisors that every year are making that move to the RIA model. Uh, so it is the fastest growing. The question is, well, why, why isn't that wave even bigger? Or what would it take for that wave to be even bigger? So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, here on today's episode is some of the reasons why advisors still aren't making that move. And they might eventually, and maybe these are things just kind of uh, slowing them down in that process, or for, or for some, they might not ever do it. So uh, I did want to give just a couple examples of, of why not even more advisors than already are uh, make that move to the to the to the RIA model. Uh, so the the first one up is just the the realization uh, that there are a lot of misconceptions about the RIA model out there. There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding of how it works. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what the options available to you are that are out in the marketplace. So, so part of the reason advisors don't make the move is they simply don't even fully understand it, understand if it would be a fit for their practice, what it would look like for them. Um, and, and obviously, no one's going to make a transition if they don't even understand the, the first place or don't even realize why it might be attractive for them to be moving to. So uh, there's a couple of reasons for that, that misunderstanding, that misconception. And, and so examples are... Uh, the first one, and I talk about this often, if, if you've only ever been in a single affiliation model your entire career, well, and, and let's say that's in a wirehouse model, or maybe now you're at an independent broker dealer model, and that's for the most part, that's, that's all you've ever experienced your whole career. Well, that has not exposed you or prepared you for how some other model works. So you might be an expert on exactly the ins and outs of the wirehouse model and the pros and cons and, and how one wirehouse firm compares to another wirehouse firm. But that has not, again, prepared you to understand how this entirely different model works, the RA model, and it is very different. And so that, that's part of the challenge is if you've, if you've never been simply exposed to it, how would you know? So you might be a wonderful financial advisor. You might've been a financial advisor for decades now, but again, you, your, your knowledge base might be on just one particular business model, not necessarily another. So for starters, part of the 
the kind of uh, lack of understanding at times is just simply you haven't been exposed to it, to know how it differs, to know what the advantages might be. So that that's number one. Uh, the, the second part of that, and it, it's kind of closely aligned, is you have to be careful who you listen to as you do gather information, perhaps about how your current model compares maybe to the RIA model. And so depends on who you talk to, you are going to hear very biased voices that are giving you a message. So the, the classic example, if you're in that wirehouse, is guess what? Your branch manager, who by the way themselves has maybe only ever been in the wirehouse model. So again, they as well possibly don't know how a different model works. But they have an incentive to keep you where you are. They, they do not want you to leave their branch. So they have an incentive to explain that their model is superior to this other model over here. And here's all the reasons why. And they possibly plant horror stories about, oh, if you go the RA model, you're just going to be some full-time compliance person. And you're going to spend all your time doing that. And they're going to haul you off to jail every year. All, all kinds of things to try to convince you that, oh, wow, you definitely don't want to look at this model over here. But again, they have an incentive to have you not wander in eyes and look at different options because they want you to stay put. So you have to keep that in mind as you're possibly, if that's part of your input, that's where you're getting some of your information is, okay, does this person have a bias? Now, you could argue, but hey, Brad, you believe in the RA model. You talk about how great the RA model is. You must be biased towards the RA model. And I would say, I do believe in the model. Clearly I do. It's a great solution for a lot of advisors. Uh, but I have no problem saying, hey, talk to your branch manager, talk to your firm, talk to your peers, whatever the case is, make sure you fully understand your current model. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. But also take the time to understand the RIA model and how it differs and, and fully realize what that would look like for your practice and only then can you decide, okay, which of these two is actually better for my, for my practice? When was the last time a branch manager said the same thing to you and said, hey, let, let me make sure you understand our firm, but by all means, please go research the options over here. Please better understand how that model works. No, they don't, they don't lay it out there. As, a, as an RIA advocate, I say absolutely understand your current affiliation model and absolutely understand the RIA model because more often than not, you will find the advantages of the RA model are superior. Hence, why the, the quote-unquote branch managers of the world typically do not want you to do that exercise. So keep in mind that there depends on who you're listening to. Could be some biases there. Also keep in mind, uh, some of the people you might talk to most are in your same situation. So your fellow colleagues and peers in the branch, in your firm, whatever the case may be, because they are still there by nature of you talking to them as a, a, a colleague at the firm, that means they have not made a move naturally. So guess what? Uh, they are probably in the same boat that either they might not have the full understanding of how the model works and how it differs. And at the same time, they're hearing those same, those same voices that are espousing one solution over the other. So the problem is you, you, you all of a sudden you're kind of in this echo chamber and, and you're not, if, if that is the sole, you know, essentially audience you have of trying to say, hey, is, is that RIA thing better than what we have now? If, if everyone's in the same boat, again, it's, it's essentially an echo chamber. And, and I, I tried to think of an analogy for this because I, I like analogies and I don't know if this is the, the perfect analogy, but an example would be if, if you lived in an apartment complex 
And you've only ever lived in an apartment complex your whole life. So you've always been a renter. And so you're always surrounded by other people that are renters. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with renting. This is not to disparage that. But, but there is a difference between renting a residence and owning a residence. So if you're in that apartment complex and if you're surrounded by people that are only renters and maybe have only rented their entire life, which one of them are, are going to stand up and champion ownership? One, one, they maybe have never owned a place before, but perhaps they have, but, but, but possibly not. And then two, because maybe they want to own a place and whatever their circumstances are, they do have to remain a renter. Well, th they're going to want to try to give themselves comfort and say, no, this, this actually rented things, not that bad. Uh, yeah, I don't really want that ownership thing. That's a pain to have to manage all that stuff. And so this, this rented thing is really not all that bad. Again, there's, there's an echo chamber there. So you might even be surrounded by people in your, your branch and your firm that want to make the change, like we're talking about in this episode, for other reasons which we're going through, maybe can't bring themselves to make the move. And so the reinforcement they can, they can uh, communicate is to, is to talk about, oh, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. You, you only want to stay put. And again, that, that's just essentially it's an echo chamber. So just careful who you get that message in from, careful who you're getting your information from. And so related to that is just take the time to understand how a different model works. You know, it's the proverbial, is the grass greener on the other side of the fence? For you, perhaps it is. For another advisor, perhaps it's not. But until you take the time to look over the fence, learn about something, how would you know? Obviously, that's what I help advisors with is understanding that RA model, understanding what it would look like for, for their practice, what the advantages are, what the economics are, what the flexibility is, and most important, how does it compare to what they have now? There's nothing wrong with running that exercise. It's a healthy exercise. You, you arguably should run every couple of years anyways. Just say, hey, what do I have now? What is available in the marketplace? Does it make sense for me to be considering that? But again, you have to take the time to learn to understand it better. So, so the kind of number one reason I would argue more advisors are not making the move is is again, they just simply don't even know if it's a good decision or a good move they should be making in the first place. So don't fall trapped to that. At least educate yourself. And if at the end of the day, you're fully educated, you fully understand, you decide your situation is best, that's fine. But at least you know you're making an educated decision about the path for your practice. Okay, the next topic I want to talk about is if for advisors that get past that, that learn about the RM model, that say, hey, this is a good solution for me. This would be more beneficial than what I have now for all kinds of reasons. My, my take-home income, the flexibility I have, the, the, the enterprise value I'll, I'll, I'll build in my practice, all kinds of reasons they say, okay, yeah, that is the better fit for me. However, they fear the transition. They say, I just don't want to go through the transition to get from point A to point B. Now, it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, yeah, go through a transition. I'm not naive to how big of a process that is. In fact, that's part of what I do is help advisors understand what that process is. It is not a fun process to go through a transition. If anyone tries to sugarcoat it or make it seem like it's super easy, that's not the case. It is a lot of work. And it is a lot of work for many months, both leading up to a transition, doing all your homework understand the model, looking at options, all those sorts of things, to the actual transition itself, to the, the time it takes for kind of the dust to settle and you to kind of get back to a, a normal working environment. 
It's months and months and months long of hard work. Don't let anyone sugarcoat that. However, and that, and, and, and by the way, that is what stops a lot of advisors. They say, wow, that's going to be a lot of hard work. They don't necessarily fear that they, that they can't do it and that it won't be successful. It's just, wow, that's a lot of work. And it's certainly much easier to kick the can perhaps, or just stay the status quo than actually go through a process like that. And so you, you can't fall, you know, pray to that because the, the reality and, a, and an analogy I often give with this is, is refinancing a mortgage. And I, and I get it. It's, it's much easier to refinance a mortgage than make a whole transition with your practice. But the point is the, the reason people refinance a mortgage and it's, it's not as good of an analogy anymore because interest rates are up, but back, back in the day where you, you likely could lower the interest rate on your existing uh, mortgage and get a better lower rate and hence a lower payment every month. Uh, the idea with going through that exercise is, hey, you go through some short-term pain in refinancing mortgage is a pain, right? For anyone that's done it, it's a lot of paperwork. It, there's costs involved. There's a lot of time involved. Things inevitably kind of get lost in the process. You go through all that. But the, the reason you go through that pain is because when you come out on the other side with that lower interest rate and lower payment, uh, that makes it all worthwhile. And the farther you get away from that kind of painful event, the, the, the less, you know, that, that, that pain is in your memory. And, and I've never talked to someone that has refinanced a mortgage, got a lower rate and has moved on. They've got over the hump, they got over the pain and looked back and said, oh, I, I wish I hadn't done that. No, it's not fun while you do it. But once you get on the other side, once the dust settles, that's the exact same uh, thing with transition in your practice. It won't be fun. The process will not be fun. However, once you're on the other side, once the dust is settled, assuming you did your homework and this was the right move for you in the first place and that the advantages are going to be there for you, which in most case for, for most advisors is the case, that's where it makes it worth the while to, to, to have done that process. But you have to have the stomach, you have to have the tolerance to go through that process. Now, if you are only two years left in your career, you're on the tail end of your career. Now, some would argue you should still consider the RA model because you can get a higher enterprise value for your practice, all, all kinds of variables there. But I, I get it. You might say, wow, going through a transition, that's a lot of work. I only have two years left in my, in my career. Maybe I'm just going to ride this out. But if you're someone that has 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years left in your career, to, to make a decision based on, I don't want to go through some, some uh, challenging times, uh, some a lot of work that is measured in months for a career that still has years, if not decades to last, I would challenge you and say, do not make that short-term decision over what is going to be a long-term benefit. Again, refinancing a mortgage is a pain. It only takes a couple of weeks though. And then finally it's done and it pays off for years going through a transition, same thing. It's, it's a lot of work for a number of months for something that will pay off for a number of years, if not decades to come. Um, and, and, and kind of how I wrap that up, I always uh, or, or often joke with folks that if, if I had some way to provide a service where I could magically snap my fingers in transport, an advisor and their clients from, from where they are now to instantly in the RIA model, I could print money. I could charge an exorbitant amount of money for that service if that was possible, which, which of course is not. That's a hypothetical. There's no way you have to go through the trenches. You have to go through the, the hard steps to get there. But, but my point for saying is 
I talk to a lot of advisors that do now understand the RA model. They do say that would be better for them. And again, they get hung up on this transition. And so if there was, it's not that they're saying, oh yeah, that the model's not for me. It's not that they're saying they, they wouldn't be better off in many ways. It's just that they get, they get held up on this transition. So that's why I say, if, if I had some way to magically solve just that one piece for them and, and I could snap my fingers and move them from point A to point B, I could charge hundreds of thousands of dollars every time I snap my finger and people would pay me because oftentimes that's the one thing holding folks up. So I, I, again, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to say, oh, this is going to be some easy process. It's not. I would challenge you though, do you have the tolerance to go through months, again, not years, of hard work to, to be better off for years and decades to come into the future? So a way to think about the actual transition process. Uh, and then the last point I'll kind of, uh, main, main point I'll make here is, I am also a believer that that some uh, some advisors, many advisors, should not go to the RA model. So I'm not sitting here in all these episodes under some impression that every advisor should go to the RA model. That is not the case. It, uh, there are a number of scenarios where it might not make sense for the advisor to do that based on their particular circumstances, uh, what they're looking to accomplish with their practice, whatever the case may be. It is not for everyone. Again, I do think everyone should at least understand it and understand how it compares to what they have now so that they can make that fully informed decision. But at the end of the day, it is not for everyone. So I'm not naive. I'm not sitting here telling you everyone should make this move. And I'll give you an example. There are plenty of advisors that I think the wirehouse model is going to be and remain the best uh, uh, path for them. And, and for that reason, I think the wirehouse advisor model will always survive. Now, I think they will continue to bleed advisors to the RA model as they have year after year after year, and they will have to find some way to, to replace those advisors. But I think there will be enough that remain that the wirehouse model will always exist. And the reason I say that is there are some advisors that do take the time to fully understand how the RA model works, and they fully understand Wow, I could I could have more income. I could have much more flexibility in my practice. I could have a much higher enterprise value with my practice. They can check all those boxes, but there are a subset of advisors, and I respect this, that say, "Hey, I I understand all that now. I fully get that." However, when I reflect on on my practice, the reality is, I like my clients. I make you know maybe very good money. And I, I don't have as much responsibility over here. So I realize I'm, I'm giving up a lot. And sometimes it is frustrating and I got to deal with uh, guardrails. I shouldn't have to, but I'm okay with that. And be, because I make enough money and I'm, I'm satisfied enough, I'm, I'm okay that I, I don't have this over here. And, and that's okay. And there'll be a lot of advisors that, that that is the path they always choose to take. And I respect that. So I think that the W-2 environment where everything's essentially provided for you that will continue again. I think they will. It will continue to bleed advisors and lose advisors to the RA model that they'll have to find some way to replace. But there still will be enough advisors that that those models remain viable. That's different, though, from the independent broker dealer model. And I've talked about this in some articles I've written. Uh, I, I think that model is is potentially up for uh, a matter of will it survive at all. And the reason I say that is. Those advisors, if you're and if you're one of those in the independent broker dealer model, you have already shown your willingness 
an ability to handle those additional responsibilities of running your local P&L, running your local expenses, having those responsibilities of, of your own employees and, and maybe a lease or, or whatever the case is for your office. So you've already demonstrated your, again, willingness and ability to, to take on those responsibilities. So as if, if your practice is becoming increasingly more and more fee-based, quick sidebar, I've done a number of episodes. You don't have, reminder, you don't have to be 100% fee-based to move into the RA model. There are hybrid solutions, ways to accommodate it. I've done episodes on that. You can check it out. But the idea is, is as those independent broker-dealer advisors become increasingly more fee-based, they're already willing to be that local small business owner. They are asking themselves, why shouldn't I just take this final step and go fully RIA and get all the additional benefits of, of that RIA path, whether that's owning their own RIA or joining a purpose-built RIA that, that, is, that is attractive to them uh, that they could join. And so I think that path, that independent broker deal path is going to continue to massively get squeezed over the coming years because those advisors are not in the same boat as the W-2 wirehouse type advisors where everything's provided for them and they're content with that. They're content with the, the pros and cons or maybe the downsides of, of their, their overall situation. That independent broker deal person, I think, is, is greatly different. So the, the main takeaway from this, this kind of macro point was just to say, I'm not naive. Everyone is not made out for the RA model because it's not a good fit for everyone. Uh, nor should every advisor go to the RA model because again, it's very specific to their individual circumstances. There will be some advisors where it makes sense for them not to make that move. However, beyond that, beyond that subset, the, the question is, well, why aren't more making the move? And I think they, we will continue to see that wave grow. And it's just some of the limitations that I've talked about this episode that are currently holding them back and, and will permanently hold some of them back. So Hopefully, if you are in that situation, this, this episode will motivate you to not get held up on maybe not fully understanding the model, will not get held up on what a transition could entail and say, hey, let me look at that. Let me see if that is a better fit for me or not. Uh, so to kind of wrap up, just, just a couple of things to remind you about the RIA model, about this, this trend, this wave to the RIA model. So again, the RIA model for years now has been the fastest growing channel in the industry of all the affiliation models. You have to ask yourself why year after year after year does it continue to be the fastest growing? There must be a reason. It must be attractive. That's why advisors are making the move. So keep that in mind. There's a reason for that. Also keep in mind, the river only runs in one direction. So when you hear announcements in the, in the industry press or wherever you might hear them about advisors leaving uh, one firm to another, that river only runs in one direction. Now, there are some lateral moves. Sometimes someone uh, or team might move from one wirehouse firm to another. But, but when they are changing affiliation models, that river only runs in the direction towards more independence. Have you ever seen an article talking about an RIA that decided to close down and go and join a wirehouse firm? That just doesn't happen. Uh, in my 20 plus years, I've only once heard of an, uh, uh, an example of an RIA practice that ended up going to a W-2 model, back to a broker deal W-2 model, and it was for a succession plan and purpose. That was the only reason it happened. It wasn't because they thought the grass was greener or the benefits were better, solely a succession. So again, you have to ask yourself, why does the river only run in one direction? Why are people not going back the other way? Obviously, there's a reason for that. And then, of course, the number one, uh, if you ask someone 
that has un, uh, taken the time to understand the model, has learned about it, has learned about the various pathways into the model and the options available to them. Again, that's what I help folks with and has been willing to go through that transition and they're on the other side and the dust has finally settled. Things are back to normal. If you ask them what's what's the number one piece of advice or what number one thing they would say about the, the whole situation, they the, the, they always, the, the first thing you'll hear is, I wish I would have done it sooner. So it's there's a reason they're saying that. There's a reason, again, for them, the grass is greener. So yes, it's not fun to go through the process, but once you're on the other side, when advisor after advisor after advisor reflects on not only am I happy I am here, I just wish I would have done it even sooner in my career. I think that's telling of why advisors are making the move to the RA model. So yes, that wave is continuing. Yes, there's opportunity. And I believe that wave will continue to get larger uh, for a good reason. But today's episode, we talked about some of the reasons that still hold some advisors back. And again, for some of you maybe listening here, you will never make the move because maybe it's not the right move for you. Again, I'm not naive to think everyone should do it. I do think everyone should take the time to fully understand it, though, and see if it is a good fit for you. So with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. This sort of thing is the exact sort of conversation I have every single day with advisors is helping advisors understand the model, understand the different pathways into it. You can start your own RA, you can join an existing RA, there's all kinds of flavors in between. And the question is, okay, how does all that work? What are the pros and cons? There's no golden goose, everything has pros and cons, including your current model or firm, wherever you are at now. So, so let's fully understand those. Let's fully understand then how that compares to what you have now. And if it makes sense for you to go from point A to point B, how does that process work? What is the transition process? What do you need to do to get from here to over here? That is the type of thing I help advisors do is, is understand why they might wanna do this and then how to do it. So happy to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, the best thing to do to get started, again, go to the website, transitiontoria.com. Again, you can see this entire episode series in video format if you want, podcast format, I have articles, white papers, and then the, the most effective thing to do is at the top of every page is a contact link. Just click on that and you can instantly and easily schedule a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA, RIA related you would like to discuss. I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Again, go to transitiontoria.com. And with that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.